Welcome back to Geek Life, the Indie Comics Podcast on Pandamanga.com. As always, I'm your host, JP. With me is my fearless co-host, Marcus. Happy Christmas, New Year, birthday. Yeah, so we took a big break for the month of December, but we are back in action talking about indie comics, self-published comics, the creative process, and all things couldn't have been that realm. We hope you didn't miss us too much. Uh, I'm sure you did. I'm sure it was heartbreaking. You're like, we didn't get to hear the fat guy make the dick jokes for like a whole month. Oh, no. But here we are, back to replace all the things that you missed. That fat we... guys making dick jokes. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> So today we're going to talk, actually we're going to return to something we talked about in episode 89 of the Geek Life podcast, Under, Under the, Flesh. the Flesh. Under the Flesh issue two is now out and available. You can go to undertheflesh.com to learn more about how to get a hold of the copy of that. And you can also check them out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash undertheflesh.comic. And then on Twitter, you can follow them at under underscore the flesh. You know, at some point I want to have an entire podcast dedicated to what a independent comic book artist should be doing with social media to make their presence known because it seems like every a comic that we review always has like at least a facebook yeah and my facebook like sucks but it seems like social media is becoming such like a big part that that's gonna have to be a whole episode someday yeah it would be interesting to talk about and we definitely could at least talk about what we found have been successful for us or what we have observed other people were successful with but another time exactly so today we return to the story of Reuben the Super Soldier from the future. Well, not from the future, but from the, you know, slightly few the years from now, post-apocalyptic world. world, who is infused with nanotechnology so that he's immune to the zombie virus that only infects males. That's right. I forgot that detail. Mm, yes, it only infects males, and which they don't really bring up a whole lot in this second issue. So if it's been a while since you read the first one, you wouldn't even know. It doesn't even really, it doesn't feature heavily. But if you read this comic, keep that thought in mind that the virus only affects males. Because now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going back to my head and I'm thinking like now the fact that one of the characters that runs off into the the middle of the zombie apocalypse is much less daunting of of a event because she can't get. Well, she can still get eaten. Well, girls like that. <laughs> Sorry. And we're back. And we're back. Um, so in the first issue, we basically got to have this fantastic experience of our main character, Ruben, walking through this public li- library, right? It was a library for, for you college. You said library. The library. You're stupid. <laughs> yeah, those of you that don't know, whenever I make a mistake, Marcus looks at me and he goes, you're stupid. <laughs> I actually got that from friends. Best guy ever. Yeah. So... <laughs> I'm all about morale of my friends. He is. He is. Absolutely. Pump it up. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I apologize if my voice is a little bit weak today. I am coming off of a Christmas cold. It's going around. Yeah. It is. It is. Tis the season, as they say. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you're going to be having a messed up voice, you might as well do it while you're on hiatus, I figure. So anyway, I'll be better sometime soon. Coming back to the story, Ruben basically introduced us to all of the people that are in his survivor group, most of which are women, not surprisingly. Exactly. And then there's one guy who's like overexpressive guy who's super angry and super sad and super mad about everything. Exactly. Which is really funny. And if you want to learn more about what we we're talking about, then go check out episode 89 where we basically, you know, make a little fun, a little little good good humored ribbing about how sometimes in this comic and it follows through into this comic the the uh, the, the the drawings the art, the characters' faces and expressions can seem a little over exaggerated so, for like, the context. My hands out toward the viewer. I mean to say that you have to listen to what I'm saying. So at the end of the last issue, Ruben 
had his well, really horrible bitchy girlfriend, Dina or Dinah. What are we going to say? I'm calling her Dinah. Dinah. That way, when he says later on in issue two, Dinah, then I can I can listen to um, what's that? The railroad song that uh, I sing my kids at nighttime. I think go. that maybe he's just singing part of that song. So. Diana basically took off and ran away after having a bunch of complainy, bitchy business. She's really, she's like, that was one of the things that was frustrating about the first issue is that this character that is basically occupying the finale of issue one, the moment where you're supposed to go, oh no, this happened. I can't wait to know what happens next. Basically like the most obnoxious, awful character that we've met yet, just pisses off and runs off into the apocalypse and everybody that was at the podcast that time was just like all right see you later <laughs> like we're good no thanks we don't need to follow you it's kind of like for me is like in the walking dead tv show when beth wasn't around for most of the season and everyone else was crying but i was like oh boohoo she wasn't contributing much <laughs> yes that was uh it was a good season though this year it was but the the outrage at beth's uh, spoilers yes spoilers beth yeah the outrage at that was was a little ridiculous. Oh. And I could care less about the character, honestly, because I knew it was going to be between her and Carol. And I was like, I am Team Carol all the way. <laughs> team Carol. I will wear a t shirt that says, that says Team, team Carol. Carol. Arg. Carol's a badass. So, so, yeah, here we are. We're all hanging out at the library. And a couple of bikers came by last time. And that was really the highlight of the comic for me. It the was interaction the human, with the bikers. Yeah, the human really to human fun. interaction. Yeah. As in most zombie stories, it's the human to human interaction yeah. that actually. Although the makes bikers never talked with. With the survivors. Never talked with Ruben and his friends. That's true. They just you know? had to contemplate how what they were going to do. Yeah, and, and then they drove away, and they're not in this one at all. Except for... One. One. Whose uh, boyfriend... Jewel, the crazy Mohawks. Mohawk chick, and her now-dead uh, boyfriend, Silk. She's just kind of taken off, and there's just sort of a little side story, which I actually really liked. I kind of liked the, the little side story epilogue thing. It's, it was just a, a little sort of vertical slice of just how awful the zombie apocalypse would be. I, I'm, I'm half and half on that one, because on one hand, I love her design as a character. Yeah, I think totally. she looks fucking badass. Yeah, she's awesome. On the other hand, I was distracted by it. I was like, what does this have to do with anything? If we're supposed to be focusing on this group of survivors... And, and in the and, fifth issue, they played her up a lot. They had her... Heavily featured in a couple big splash pages, it, when we kind of came away from it expecting that she was going to rise from the ashes of her boyfriend getting eaten exactly. and become an important character. And then in the beginning of this issue, she kills a couple of zombies, and it's like, well, but we're done with her. Let's move on. Would well, you see what happened to her at the end of the issue? Well, all you see is the bike flipped over. You see the bike flipped over, and if you look closely, the zombies are all crowded around something. Uh, but that could be... That could be anybody. So we don't really know. We it don't could really be the know, body yeah. of her boyfriend, Silk, or it could be Jewel herself. I, I interpret so it. So I don't really know. But, I mean, do zombies eat dead guys? Like, I don't think so. We never know in this universe. There's super know. soldiers it could in this be, universe. It could be <laughs> That's true. They're it's like, true. well, here's, here's the thing. Like, We don't turn females, but we eat dead dudes. Now, that'll be like their... That could be their thing. Their thing, yeah. Like, that's how we roll. It's like a zombie story, but instead they don't eat... Or they don't turn girls into zombies, and they only eat guys if they're dead. And every third full moon of the year, everyone has a slumber party. That's, that now needs to be a comic. Get on that. <laughs> okay, we're, we're doing it. Well, you know, maybe Under the Flesh can go there. So so the story continues to be very grindhousey and over the top. Everyone reacts to things strongly and really more strongly than seems reasonable a lot of the time. People's tempers flare, then subdue with almost inhuman speed. And the characters keep changing their tune. You know, first, it's just Ruben going after Dinah. And then it looks like the whole group is going to go after her. And then it's just him running out. And I just, it, I didn't really quite know what to do. Because it's, it's like, sheesh, when, when did he convince everyone 
many of whom didn't really like the girl in the first place, to go find the girlfriend and go with him. And then you realize that it's just him running off. Like those couple pages were confusing me in a big fat way. I think what's happening too for me is that um, it's a it's a contrast that I wasn't expecting between the story and the art because the artwork is very dynamic and mm. serious mm-hmm. and uh, sort and it, of it sort, sort of, of searches for really cool splash pages and poses and exactly moments. and the story is a little campy. Yeah. Um, well, I mean it's it's. If you go into this comic, much like An Apocalypse we talked about a while ago, and last time we talked about this, comics and really stories in general that wave around the, hey, I'm Grindhouse flag, you know, the, there's a little bit more leniency we tend to, they to can get give away them. with more. Yeah. You know, it, it yeah, I mean, we'll get into that more later, I think. But anyway, so there, I, mean, there, I, I do agree. There were some, there were uh, a few parts in, in the story that it, bec- I think because of the artwork, it's sort of. Might have lost me a little bit. Sure. Um, but I mean, there are also things with the story that I was just like, it didn't make sense to me. I I know you do this and, and I'll do this with my brother sometimes. We go through a lot of zombie scenarios because, you know, we're males and we live in a, in a society that loves zombies. And so we, we play out zombies. the, everyone says the same thing. We're going to go to Costco first. And my current uh, idea is we actually don't want to go to Costco. We actually want to stay on the move because then... Zombies that are slow can't catch up to you. And then if you get to be a big enough group, it's just like the Redneck group in the remake of the Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> and you can just hunt them down and then have a big party and everyone drinks beer in America. Yeah, America. Um, but because me and my brothers who do so many like survivalist scenarios where we think about what we would do in the zombie apocalypse, there's some things that they do in this comic that I'm just like, why? Like, it didn't make any sense to me why rational people would do that. Granted, it might not be rational people because it's a post-apocalyptic world, but I still feel like the reactions of the characters were unrealistic to me. Like, they didn't make much sense. The- well, I mean, there's something missing with the writing. Like, it, it, it's almost as if transitions with the characters, like they transition or just things in general, transition from one state to another, like really too quickly. Like, for example, the lady cop at the end that works with the NRI, which is the National Resurgence Initiative which I'm assuming is something specifically to do with interacting with and dealing with the zombies. Man, she's trashed out on the ground, just in shock and mumbling to herself. And then like one page later, she stands up, actually in the very next panel, she stands up and strikes like a sexy pose with her gun and gives herself like a spirited introduction. And it's like, dude, sexy poses will do it. happening? Sexy poses will do it every time. I'm telling you. I wake up in the morning and I'm, I, I have to make at least three sexy poses just yeah, to get in the In your tiny white, just look in the mirror. Uh, I do. Uh, you know, uh. It gets the day started, honestly. <laughs> Better than a cup of folders. Three sexy poses. I recommend it to everybody. Take it three home. Three sexy it's, poses. It's, it's your prescription, everybody. Listen to this podcast. Three sexy poses in the morning and uh, you'll have just a much more productive day. I find. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Flip on some EDM. <laughs> that's too far. No, that's too far. Over the line. Over the line. Inappropriate. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of some of the some of the story stuff that I thought was really interesting, like Jewel and her whole gang, the, the Hellions from the last time, and we really only see a little bit of her. You know, they always seem to be in some ways more interesting than the main characters. I was going to say one of the reasons why I might have been distracted by her is because she seemed more interesting than the group. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, she seems kind of crazy. Like her her actual character, let alone the character design, which we can talk about more later when we're talking about the art, but you've already mentioned, it's really cool. Yeah. Like the character design for Jewel is awesome. Actually, the whole biker gang situation where they had like a zombie tied to the front of their van, like that's awesome. It was awesome. I mean, the art is great in this. It really is. And the character design specifically for Jewel was really rad. Uh, but in addition to that, she seems like a pretty whacked out crazy chick. 
you know, which is kind of fun. It's an interesting story and it fits beautifully within the grindhouse genre. So again, this time we, we were like, they, they dangle a little bit of the story with her mm. and then poof, pull her away. And we just get like maybe three or four pages with Jewel and the Hellions, although there's no Hellions in this one. And I found myself kind of being like, oh, can't we talk about them more? <laughs> it's like so much more interesting than our main characters, which is really unfortunate because Ruben has the opportunity to be a really interesting dude. Well, I know how much you love the concept of a super soldier in the zombie And apocalypse. we dig into that a little bit this time. There's some ass kickery that happens. There's some fast healing. There's some numbing of pain. There's some kicking ass and taking zombie names that... That didn't work. Anyway, kicking ass and ripping zombies apart. You're going to be called Jeff. There were some really cool fights that totally took advantage of him being a super soldier, which I thought was awesome. It was totally a payoff from, you know, a good chunk of the first book being like, he's a super soldier and he can do all these cool things. And then they didn't do anything with it. And the the entire entire issue was all them arguing together in in a a library. The bitchiest of bitchiest leaves. and, And then he's like, no. Dinah! <laughs> Someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. Someone's in the kitchen. I know. No, oh, oh, oh. Someone's in the kitchen eating Dinah. Oh, very nice. I like what you did there. Mm. I wonder who's in the kitchen with Dinah. In the end, though, we did get into some interesting territory writing-wise that makes me, again, curious about issue three, which is coming, I'm sure. Very excited to see that. That. We have some people that might be controlling some of the zombies. Like it that. looks like some kind of new cast of characters, but all in the form of a new breed of Yeah, I people. mean, are they zombies? Aren't they zombies? There's only one image, and we see the only suggestion that these guys aren't right is that there's talk at the end, just a, just a couple a couple bubbles, that suggests that the zombies are being controlled by somebody. And just before that, that conversation happens, we see a group of sort of silhouetted dark figures that look pretty beat up and bloody, look kind of zombified, um, are standing up on the roof looking down. And then one of them pulls his shades back and his eyes look infected. So maybe we're heading in that direction where there could be something more going on with the virus, which is exciting. Like that's I, cool. I immediately thought of a vampire. And I know this is a zombie story, <laughs> but when I see someone with all red eyes with small little black pupils, I think vampire. Mm-hmm. And I just love how like they decided to strike a pose on the roof. They were like, you know what, guys? We can look badass anywhere. Yeah, we'll look like the more badass. They were like, stuck a pose. If we're on a roof. <laughs> I like sorry, to imagine sorry, them like, too far. that's it's too far. Stop. I like to imagine they like going upstairs and they're like, this pose is going to be so sweet when we get to the top. Yeah. And they go up there and they're silhouetted by the sun. That's all. You know, I'm, I'm glad that we were starting to get into the territory of some more, you know, even more interesting ideas with somebody maybe controlling the zombies. It comes up here and there in zombie fiction, but for the most part, it's not real well explored. And I think that's kind of awesome. It's a cool idea. It's an interesting idea. I can remember there's some zombie movie a while ago that I saw, maybe Land of the Dead or something, where there was a zombie that was somehow more intelligent than the other ones and was sort of leading them. And that would have been the unfortunate Land of the Dead, the yeah. fourth and the and tr- the trilogy of Romero that shouldn't ever have been. <laughs> I mean, the movie wasn't very good, but the idea is totally fascinating. Like it's a cool literary opportunity to dig into it, that. I think I kind of thought that the intelligent zombie that Romero said that all Romero needed to say in uh, Day of the Dead went with Bob. Bob was the intelligent zombie, and I felt like that's as far as it really needed to go, but for some reason, he decided to take that extra mile. Let's give that zombie his job back at the gas station, and <laughs> let's make him rally the troops, and all walk towards the... And I was like, come on, George, you, you're better than that. Let's just quit while we're at Oh, do you really think George has anything to do with the George Romero movies more than just, like, 
the studios. Signing them. <laughs> being like, okay, we're going to make another one. Let's get George to sign his name and then keep going forward. Bing, bang, bang. Um, so any more thoughts? I have a final, I have kind of a closing thought about the writing. I got a question for you. I wonder, right. what if they do decide that these are going to be vampires? Is it going to dilute the story for you, seeing as it started off as a zombie story? If they start including vampires and then werewolves and witches, and then it becomes vampire diaries with all the different types of monsters you can possibly have in a story? <laughs> I firmly believe that when you're writing a story, you have a certain amount of leeway with your audience as far as how much they're willing to suspend their disbelief. And people are much more uh, willing to suspend disbelief earlier in the story. So issue one or two is a good time to introduce shit like that. Uh, unless it really comes together and makes sense deeper in the story and fills a plot hole or something like that. But I feel like you know, it's, it's more difficult when you limit yourself, limit the things that are outside of our normal range of reality to just one or two things. Better yet, just one thing, I think. And then find creative ways to indulge that and look into that and investigate it in the story that allows for cool opportunities and cool shit to happen. But no, I wouldn't be a big fan of adding in all these extra things. Yeah. I really do feel like if you want to do that, then you need to have a story that's that starts out with being like, you know those nightmare creatures you thought weren't real? They're real, folks. Yeah. And then you can just have a whole story, and that's the suspension of disbelief. Nightmare creatures are real. Boom. Blanket. You're done. And then that opens up just a giant can of worms that you can play with because they're, you know, slimy and fun. And so... <laughs> <It does. laughs> um, slimy but, and fun was my high school nickname. <laughs> you're the worst. Thank you. <laughs> but to to better explain, I guess, I think that... And this is actually, this is the Facebook post I was talking about last night, where I was watching this Japanese cartoon called Dead Man Wonderland. And it felt like with each progressive episode, they would get themselves to a point and then be like, they'd pull off the mask and be like, bleh, now this is happening. <laughs> and it continued to just spiral deeper into insanity, where it wasn't like, okay, and now in this world, this one thing is different, but everything else is still based on something that you're familiar with. Everything else is the, is the same. But this one thing, or maybe one or two things, is a little different. To be fair, Japanese comics and cartoons tend to ask a lot of their watchers and listeners and consumers in the suspension of disbelief department. That's kind of their jam, is to go way over the board, overboard with how many things you can believe. But it felt like that show kept pushing it over and over and over and you know, all the way into like episode five or six of 12 or 13, anyway, like just a, bit, a little over 10 episodes altogether, they're still being like, by the way, this other thing explains things that have been going on that don't make any damn sense, and why does it work? It just does. Wee! And it, that shit doesn't work for me. And I feel like this big complex complaining thing that I'm doing right now is basically to answer your question of a good writer, the requests of the, of the consumer, requests of the, of the reader or the listener or the, you know, the viewer or whatever, to suspend a little bit of disbelief. A little suspension of disbelief, one or two things maybe, and then continues on with the rest of the world working in a way that is familiar. Yeah. Because when it's too much, which is one thing that happens with like sci-fi movies or sci-fi comics, they've got some crazy ass name for every damn thing. You know, they feel like they have to rename how cars and oil and pavement and pencils. It's like, why? Really? Like, is that necessary to make so many things so different that it's so unfamiliar that you just feel lost? No. Anyway. 
Sorry, you like totally touched on something that I was like raging about there was, last there was night. A little, yeah, there was a little nerve there. <laughs> I was that mad. I just decided I was to s- just scratch a little uh, bit. <laughs> I was like, hey, JP, half tones, huh? What'd you got there, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we were totally, uh, you know, sorry, you guys out there in, in Radio Land. We were totally talking about suspension of disbelief and storytelling before the podcast, and specifically in reference to that Dead Man Wonderland, which is still like entertaining enough that I'm probably going to finish it because I'm like over halfway through. But it kept asking me to just be like, and now believe this too. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> and I watched the Vampire Diaries, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, and but that's one of the things about the Vampire Diaries that weakens it as it goes deeper is that it goes, and now this is happening, and now this is real, and now this is real. It's like, come on. Yeah. Like, where do you draw the line, you guys? Eventually, you just kind of start watching it for the characters, which is kind of what I'm doing with this comic a little bit right now. Uh, I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm reading this comic, and I'll continue reading this comic. For four characters, for Ruben, for Jewel, for Sexy Pose Badass Cop. Yeah, I'm interested in Sexy Pose Badass Cop. She sounds like cool. For um, the guy that I think is a vampire. And besides that, if they if they were to if if, if vampire pose striking roof guy. Yeah. <laughs> if if the Avengers vampire were to somehow murder everybody that's back at the library, with the exception of Badass Cop, I would be like, okay, I've got it. All the all the guys turn into zombies, and then all the girls turn into vampires, except for the single <gasps> vampire guy. Oh my gosh! Them all. And then that's, it's like vampires happening. versus zombies. <laughs> <laughs> if we just came up with what's actually happening, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, that would be really messed up. Anyway, so does that answer your question? Yeah, and I think and I'm then some good. and then some nerd rage. Me. So, I think in closing, story wise, the comic is. Full to the brim of tons of really cool ideas, but none of them seem to really lead to a great deal of substance. You know? Agreed. Agreed. It feels like there's so much. And again, we're still in issue two. Only issue two. Most of the time, a good story arc takes about five to six issues to really come to fruition. It's, you can't, I mean, issue one and two, they're, they're especially issue one, it's touchy. You got to keep people interested. And, and like we said in, in the first podcast, that this the issue one suffered from issue one-itis, where it did a lot of introducing and not a lot of substance. And I know that I know that you were, were at least happier with this one because now we got to see the super soldier uh, in action. There was some payoffs from the promises that we were basically so given in the first issue. It, the story-wise, it's an improvement on issue one. Totally, totally. And uh, I will read issue three and going forward, at least with this mindset that it's, I don't want to say campy. I don't want to say cheesy because it's not like ha ha campy or ha ha cheesy. No, it's, it's, it's very distinctly Grindhouse. Yeah. And I if guess you're not familiar, and it's, it's, it's the same thing we said before with Anapocalypse. It's like Grindhouse. If you like Grindhouse, then this will probably be something you enjoy. But if you don't like that Grindhouse style, you're not going to like it. Uh, and, and actually, that's kind of my final thought is, is that. It's like, I, I know that it's easy for all of the shortcomings to sort of hide under the protection of the Grindhouse label, but at some point you have to get your people, you get your readers interested in the characters. You can't just keep hiding under that label. You have to get your readers to grow to, to like the characters, hate them, feel something about any of them. You know, and I think that the Grindhouse style is a lot of fun, but it's no excuse for writing that falls a little short. You know, and I feel like a lot of the time when things are blown out of proportion and crazy, you know, it's like, it's Grindhouse, yee! and they can kind of get away with it. And you, know, you, you can get away with a lot when it's in the Grindhouse type comic movie story thing. But it feels like sometimes people slap the Grindhouse label on things and expect people to just forgive an unreasonable amount of shortcomings. 
And one of the things that I had an objection to when I was talking about it being a little unrealistic in terms of what I would do in a zombie-like scenario it fits into the grindhouse world, yep. wherein someone tapes a machete to their hand. <laughs> almost <laughs> oh, like okay, almost, we're going to talk about this Almost now. like in Planet Terror when Rose McGowan puts a machine gun in her leg, in her, uh, her what is it, cut-off leg or something like that, where it's just like, why? Because grindhouse. Because grindhouse. That's, and that's once, the reason. Once you think of it in that context, it's like, oh, okay, I make sense. Now I know what this is, but it doesn't quite say it up front, and especially with the art that is in this comic, it doesn't, the artwork doesn't spell out grindhouse to me. No. Um, the art- no, it's, it's too colorful, it's too bright, it's too sharp, it's too heroic. You know, Grindhouse is gritty and dirty. The, the heroes in Grindhouse aren't sexy, handsome people. I mean, there's scantily clad women a lot of the time and sort of muscular dudes. But I mean, it's not triple A Hollywood looking superhero people like that's not Grindhouse. Grindhouse is low budget, low quality, just for shits and giggles. Like that's the jam. So with that being said, what an awesome transition into talking about the art. We're going to take a break. When we'll be back, we'll talk about the art of Under the Flesh issue two. to Geek Life, the Indie Comics Podcast. Before we get back to talking about the art, I wanted to give a little recommendation from Audible. The Geek Life Podcast is sponsored by Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife and get your free audiobook download and enjoy one month of their excellent service. For that whole month, you'll get 30% off of their whole catalog, which is like 150,000 books or more. It's insane. I continually find cool things on there. It's epic. Um, and we all, like the the many of the people on the Geek Life show and Marcus and I, Especially, we absolutely use this service. It's a really cool thing. I look forward to getting my credit every month. And recently, I picked up a book by Brandon Sanderson. Now, some of you may recognize the name Brandon Sanderson. He was involved in some of the last few books of the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan, which is arguably one of the biggest fantasy epic properties ever. And... He is just a very phenomenal writer. I really have enjoyed his stuff. And the funny thing is, is that uh, the book that I'm about to recommend called Steelheart, which is the first in, I would imagine, a series. Uh, there's, I think, number two is coming out in a little while. Maybe actually, at the time of this recording, it may already be out. It's supposed to be early January 2015, so it might already be out. But anyway, Steelheart, really, really cool book. It's basically about a world where after a certain event happens, I'm not I'm trying not to give too much away, but... An event happens, and then people start to just sort of get superhero powers, superhero-like powers, except anybody that gets powers is evil. There aren't any heroes. It's all supervillains, period. Anybody that ever gets a power is a supervillain. And there are the full range. There's, And they call them in this world epics. And so people that have a lower level of power... Or a higher level of power. doesn't really matter. They all call them epics. There's high epics, and there's only a handful of them, really, throughout the whole world. Like a big example of a high epic would be the character that the book is named after, Steelheart, Steelheart. who is essentially like evil Superman, kind of. There's a couple things. 
that are different about what he's able to do. But the story uh, follows a young boy who gets, who basically survives the transition from normal world and normal government over to the rule of the epics. And he lives in Chicago, which becomes New Cago when Steelheart takes over. And he basically is just a tyrannical ruler. And he spends his entire life trying to learn about the epics and figure out how to take them down. And he is actually one of the only people ever, actually the only person alive still, that has ever seen Steelheart bleed. And again, I don't want to give any of the story away because it's all very entertaining and cool, so I'm not going to do that. But early in his life, before Steelheart becomes a big deal, he's involved, he's like there when something happens and he actually sees Steelheart get a cut on his cheek. And so he's able to sneak away and hide and Steelheart basically kills everybody that's around him when that happens. And so he's harbored this, like, I'm going to find out because I'm the only person who has even a clue as to how to hurt him because everybody, every epic has a weakness of some kind. And so he starts to dig into and learn about all the different epics in the world. And there is another sort of force in the world called the Reckoners. And it's basically a ragtag group of humans that are sort of the resistance force against the epics. There's not a lot of them. They operate in sort of small little terrorist type cells. And they figure out through careful fact-finding and espionage what an epic's particular weakness is and then craft a situation to basically entrap them and take them down. So he figures out where the Reckoners are basically going to have their next hit. They're going to try and take out one of the epics. And he figures out basically where they're going to be and when they're going to be there and who they're going to take down. And he tries to kind of insert himself into that situation, prove his value, and then get drafted in. Because it's the only way he can think of even being able to contact these guys because they're so secretive. And so that's basically the premise. And it just goes off into this unbelievably cool epic story after that that I really enjoyed a great deal. Anybody that likes superhero comics anything would probably appreciate this a great deal. It's a great deal more brutal than a lot of things. But uh, it was very entertaining. I enjoyed it a lot. And book two is coming out soon. So again, this is Brandon Sanderson's Steelheart. You can check that out on Audible. It's a great reading. Very, very cool book. And if you want to get it for free, if you don't already have an Audible account, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash geek life and you can pick it up. Comic books without pictures that you don't have to read. (laughs) Audible.com. It's good stuff. And actually, I have some recommendations, uh, more recommendations about about some of Brandon Sanderson's other books because I've basically become a fan of him as an author and have read three of his books at this point. But we'll talk about that next time. So back to the comic at hand, talking about Under the Flesh. Issue two. Created and written by G. Deltris and illustrated and lettered by J.L. Giles. The art is hands down the thing that stands out about this book. I think. I mean, Uh, you know, yeah, the artwork is amazing. But uh, on that same token, when we reviewed issue one, we talked about how amazing the artwork is. And as as amazing as it was in issue one, (laughs) it went, it it took it down a notch in issue two a little bit. Well, you know, not in the, not in the basic form. Pencils and inks were solid still. The pencils and inks were still as good as they ever were. But it does seem like the coloring was a little more experimental and weird this time around. Well, I feel like he, I mean, okay, look back at issue one. He does the same thing, but it's way more subtle. There were pages in issue two that was like rainbow barf on the page. And I was kind of like, well, I didn't, it didn't need it to be there, especially for the tone that I felt like the writer was trying to, to grasp onto this. Well, I mean, it's just this crazy, like technicolor palette. 
Yeah. Not even just the just the crazy splashes of color and the, t- the way overuse of textures. But I don't know, man. It's just in this one, the, the it was borderline just garish. Have you ever seen old comics that were originally printed and sold on like the newspaper stock, the a little bit textured, of sort of brownish, you know, parchment? Yeah. Have you ever seen them reprinted on modern glossy comic stock? Yes, I think we've had the conversation before. Yeah, too. yeah. It's just something that I observed for, for the first time when we were looking at, I think, John Harder of Waterfront Comics and waterfrontcomics.com and the Four Chase on the Comic Podcast. In um, downtown Sassoon, California. What, what? Uh, he was showing me the big, like, oversized compendium of Wolverine comics. And we were looking at the old 80s Wolverine comic arc where it was one of the first times he was, or maybe even the first time that he was on his own in Japan, rocking out, kicking ass. And... I remember reading that and not thinking that the the color was so just in your face, garish, insanity, just bad. I mean, it was gross, really. And I thought to myself, like, what the hell? I don't remember the color being this, like, offensively bright and just, whoa, like, garish is the only word you can use to describe it. And then we went back and I pulled out my copy of the actual issue and I realized that it's because of the paper stock, right? That there's something that just sort of mutes it out a little bit. And I think that that was probably very much on purpose, that they knew that the stock, the paper that they were going to be using was going to mute it down a little bit, muddle it a little bit. And they were able to or had to really put that super bright colors in. Muddle it a little bit sounds really amazing. Like that's something that I just want to say. Muddle it a little bit. Muddle it a little bit. Muddle it a little bit. I'm going to put my kids to bed now. Hey, guys, it's time for a song and then a story. And then we're going to muddle it a little bit for a little bit. And just keep saying that over and over again. And then they're going to fall asleep. bed And they'll be like, oh, my dad is special. <laughs> Our childhood is going to be rich with new, intriguing ways to live life. <laughs> You're welcome. That's mm, good. That's good. They are they are blessed. Also, uh, garish is not a common word, but I like how many times you said the word garish. Well, I mean, as okay. All right. Here. As a podcaster, you find yourself struggling to describe something. And a lot of the times within one episode, you have to say kind of the same thing several times. And so it, it's helpful to have you know, a colorful range of words and vocabulary to use. And sometimes, as our friend Pink would say, there's a lot of $10 words that come kind of tumbling out of my mouth. But it's because I get tired of being like, well, man, the inks were really black. They were really black. You know, those inks, they were so black. <laughs> you know, it's like when they were over here, they were black. And then when they were over there, they were like, really black. It was pretty black. You know, you got to find different ways to say stuff. But anyway, yes, garish is a great way to describe how that looks. It is. It's like offensively bright and colorful. And it's so how this comic felt. You know, issue one had a little bit of the like, why is pink there right now? Like, what is that about? But it was kind of like, okay, fine. They're just kind of going for this crazy textured, like, you know, insanity. But in this issue, it was too much. It was too I, much. You know what? It almost looked like they had like burns on their face sometimes. With, with the grindhouse feel in mind, if those colors had been the same textures, the same put in the same spots, but gray and black and sure. brown, sure. then I'd have been like, oh, yeah, grindhouse. It's gritty. It's grindhouse. Ah. It's the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, yeah. I get all over again. Dude, the guy that does of the the Grindhouse movies that was that came out kind of you know more commercially, which was what was it, uh, Robert Rodriguez and, and Tarantino. Tarantino. The guy that did the trailers, that voice, I want that voice. <laughs> that voice is so hardcore. <laughs> anyway, moving I just, on. I just hear shitty Christian Bale in my head everywhere I go <laughs> for like no reason. Like I'll talk to someone and then they'll re- respond to me with a reasonable voice, and it replays in my head as Christian Bale. 
Interesting. What does that sound like to you? What does that sound like to you? <laughs> That's awesome. Where's Rachel? <laughs> you gargle, you gargling marbles. <laughs> can we touch? Can we trust him? <laughs> On the lighter side of things, though, right out of the gate, the art is still really strong. Like we said, yeah, line and line and ink work is still, you know. On the very first page, actually, there's a long, a low shot of the road with this cool sort of silhouetted look to the trees. They're not black silhouettes. They simply are just green trees drawn entirely with a similar shade. This is including the branches, the trunks, everything, without any actual contour lines. And it reminded me a lot of zombie killers from Jennifer Gosk. Uh, back a long time ago, and in issue two, uh, there was some similar things in her. Uh, sorry, in her issue two, there were some similar things that she did with the uh, cityscape, and it's it's a very effective. It was effective then; it's effective now. Like I really like that look. It was really successful, I think. And another thing that I thought I really liked was the gore. <laughs> like there was a lot of gore in this, and it was glorious to the point where like I feel like they messed up one time where. There's a page in a panel where Ruben's <laughs> being attacked, and it looks like a zombie is just getting a nice big chunk of his jeans, and jeans is all that he's biting onto, but there's still blood spattered everywhere. <laughs> and so they were like, like my jeans are bleeding. Just, they did one pass, and they were like, well, here's all the artwork, and uh, let's just do a blood pass. And then someone went through and was like, blood here, blood there, blood there, and didn't really take a look at that panel. They go, oh, it doesn't look like he's actually getting any flesh here. But let's throw some blood on there anyway. Yeah. And sure, an argument can be made that there's blood everywhere. It's just raining or from the Or that he bent deep enough and then pulled back and didn't get any of the flesh. Or Yeah, so that we have to use our imagination. That's good. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's pretend like <laughs> like things are happening that we can't see in the frame. <laughs> it was it was a, oh, that's awesome. it was a nitpicky thing to point out, but it totally caught my attention. I was like, wait a minute. He's not actually biting anybody here. But I mean, yeah, you know. No, but I mean, the, the, the gore was good. I mean, there was a lot of, it was like satisfyingly kind of like, oh shit, like that. Some bad things happened there. Yeah. There's a particular scene where he's jumping over a fence out of the school campus and he comes to a, just to this intersection with a bunch of cars and an ambulance and it's just crazy. I mean, over and over again, Giles just kills it, no pun intended, with all the gore. Just like so much gore that is actually compelling. It's not just like, oh, it's there just for funsies. Like it, it, it sort of, it like manages to be disturbing somehow. It took me this long in the conversation to re- to realize why you said pun intended. <laughs> I was like, what? This entire time you were talking, I was trying to figure out why you said that, and I just got it. And as much as I, uh, I mock the uh, Avengers pose on top of the roof. That's a, it's a great, great picture of all of them standing there out with the silhouette. There are so it's, many it great looks splash page type amazing. things. Amazing. I mean, there are the, again the art. It's great, and there's there's a lot of really cool uh, moments. You know, a couple I mean, big panels or whole splash pages that are just like epic, post poster worthy. You yeah, know, exactly over and over again, and you know, but at times it feels like almost, you know, on the other side of things, I guess there's. Almost like they're like on purpose looking for opportunities to have those sort of things. Sure. You know, where in the store it's kind of like, really? Like, is that necessary? It's cool. It looks really cool. But does that really how that would go? You know, like earlier when I was talking about the the female cop who's on the ground, like bleeding and mumbling to herself about some super zombie man that was controlling zombies. And then our main character comes over and who's like, oh, my God, she's really messed up. And then like the next panel, she stands up, you know, 
holds her gun out to one side, hand on her hip, hips all kicked to the side, boobs coming out, and she's just like, I'm so-and-so, look at me, yeah, yeah. Sexy pose. Yeah, it just strikes a sexy pose out of nowhere, and it's, I mean, it's good, clean comic fun, but it's kind of like, I don't remember a boob coming out, though. Her boob doesn't come out, but she's like all being sexy. Well, now you're getting my expectations up, dude. (laughs) I was like, I was going to go read it again, all for the boob coming out. (laughs) Are you you a boob guy? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's uh, there's definitely a lot of hot chicks in the comic. You know, there's a lot of fit females, beautiful people. Yeah, I mean, it's actually kind of funny if you look early in the comic. And I, I guess this could be in alignment with this sort of fun, crazy, over the top grindhouse thing. But like every single character is unbelievably toned. Like if the page where Ruben is coming out of the front of the building and all of the women are standing around with weapons and stuff and it, you know, and they're, they're like kind of tricking you into thinking that they're going to go with him, but then they don't that page. Um, if you look like through the shirts of all the girls, they've all got like six packs. <laughs> I have to show you. It's really funny. I, I thought you were like, saying tone that what? you're talking about like, like tanned and like good color. No, no. Um, they're all like cut. I was going to say, don't you know that super soldiers, when he was laying on that bed, they gave him the super soldier serum and it was a tanning bed at the same time. Oh yeah. Is that how that works? Yeah. Cause I mean, you want to be, I mean, if you're going to be, if you're going to be powerful. a super soldier, you might as well be tan. Exactly. People don't take a, a, you know, a pale super soldier. <laughs> pale seriously. super soldier. That's, mm, you know, I mean, you're going to get sunburned. There's no, there's no, there's nanite. no comeback from that. There's no nanites for that man. <laughs> <laughs> if UV rays can defeat him, anyone can. It's over. <laughs> Uh, we're ridiculous. So, uh, any any final thoughts about the the art, the story, the anything? No, I mean we okay. I've I've talked to some people that we reviewed recently who uh, took what we say negatively, and the reason being is that if we reviewed uh, an issue of yours in the past and we've gushed over how beautiful your work is for an entire podcast, if we review a second issue, it's completely possible that we feel the same exact way. But we might catch a few technical things here and there. And sure. if that's what we end up talking about, don't take it as we hate your artwork. Yeah, that's just what's new. Yeah. We know? absolutely love the artwork yeah. uh, in issue two. There were just a, f- a few things here and there that I admittedly will say it's very nitpicky of us to yeah. even bring up. Because for the most part, it's like, it's still... But that is part of what we endeavor to offer yeah. on the Geek Life podcast. It's comic creators talking about comics and reviewing comics. It's not just somebody being like... This was it good. was good. I liked that. End of story. Five stars. Yeah. You know, like that's not, we, there's, we, there's, there, it is a saturated market out there of people that just go, it was good. Mm. Yeah. I liked it. It's just like, no, man, we need more than that. So let's talk about it deeper. And that's the plan. And sometimes often it goes to, you know, what, what could be, you know, misconstrued as a nitpicky kind of place. And it doesn't come from, I mean, like we love independent comics and we want to support you guys. And, and that's why we're talking about it. That's why we're sharing it with you. We wouldn't, ever talk about a comic on the podcast or at least these days anyway that we didn't genuinely think it was worth a read you know at least at least a portion of our audience would actually enjoy exactly. i mean not everybody's gonna like everything but i honestly think go to underthefleshcom and check it out it's entertaining it's good it is it's great I'm art keep it's reading, funny I'm it's keep reading when the next issue comes yeah, out i mean definitely. it's good stuff you definitely you know don't you know i don't know we, again <laughs> stuff that we were talking about before the podcast coming up on the podcast Marcus was saying, and he he talked to somebody recently who we reviewed a comic of theirs, and they were they were a little crestfallen. Felt like we had sort of chewed him out a little bit. Crestfallen, what a good word! Again, I'm just learning all kinds of shit from you today. <laughs> and I just, you know, that's that's not what we want. And I think that you know, as a comic, as a creative person, you got to have, especially if you're going to make something and put it out there, you're going to have to have a pretty thick skin. You you are. 
You know, and it would be unfair for us to just be like, it was pretty good and only talk about the good stuff and never talk about anything that's bad. But you have to be willing to, you know, hear a little bit of both sides. You know, nothing that we ever say is with the intention of this is awful. Stop making comics. Take every review and criticism that we say as saying it's amazing that you made something and had the guts enough to put it out there. Here's what we think you could do to make it even better. Yep. Absolutely. Everything that we say. Yeah. And. And again, specifically talking about this comic, I had a good time reading it. I yeah. liked it. I'm glad I read it. I'm looking forward to the next one. I'm recommending it to you guys. Check it out. It's a great comic. Have good. It's a good, clean, actually not so clean fun. <laughs> it's a good, gory. It's a good, gory grindhouse. Fun. Just insanity. It's great. It is great. Again, I think that that's probably the biggest, you know, caveat would be if you like grindhouse stuff, this is really for you. If you don't really know how you feel about Grindhouse stuff, check it out anyway. But so if you're you definitely think? like, if you know you're like, man, Grindhouse is bullshit, this is not for you. That's at all. That's, that's, this is definitely, it leans in, and I would say even deeper than before. It leans really into that Grindhouse vibe. And if you're, I mean, I like Grindhouse stuff. Maybe it doesn't sound like it, you know, from all the complaining I did on this podcast, but I actually really like Grindhouse stuff. I think it's great. It's sort of freeing to be so off the wall and crazy. I don't. It feels silly to me, but... But that's the thing. There's people with different feelings and yeah. opinions. And, and Marcus still enjoyed it, even though he doesn't like maybe even actively dislikes Grindhouse stuff or I actively love Grindhouse stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I came away having a great time. I mean, every time things were over the top or gr- ridiculous, you know, a little voice inside me was kind of like, really, guys? But another voice was like, this is awesome. Taped a machete to his hand. Dude, you don't want to drop the machete. Why would you ever want to take away your ability to grab, pick up? Why would you ever want to take your ability away to drop it? Oh, wait. You always want to take your ability away to drop it. Why would you? It's a horde of zombies, and he's a super soldier. He's going to punch his way out of or through or jump over. Hands are such valuable things to have. You can do so many (laughs) things with your hands. Ask my wife. And it's just like (laughs) the fact that he taped him up with a machete. It's only one hand. He taped one hand up with a machete so he wouldn't lose it so he could hack his way through the zombie hordes. He's a super soldier. He can jump over stuff. He was vaulting. He was doing parkour. I'm watching Game of Thrones right now. Um, Spoilers for for season two. Jamie gets his hand cut off. And he is even having a hard time eat, much less fight off a horde of zombies. He forgot how to eat. Yeah, well, there's a scene where like, after, how do I eat? Like, I can't cut this food because I have one hand, and that's what he's doing to himself on purpose. It's just it. yeah, but it's it's hands not gone. You know what grinds my gears? People that tape machetes to their hands. The bullshit makes me mad. Anyhow, I enjoyed your comic. Thanks for making it. I appreciate it, the effort that you put into it. It's, it's sorry if we're a little over goofy. We haven't been in the studio in weeks, exactly. so we're, we're I'm not amped, actually wearing any clothing up. right now. So. No, no, it's good stuff. All right, hey there. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Geek Life, guys. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, you can find the links to artists and songs featured on this episode in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is JP. This is Marcus. Go read some comics.
It's like the shark video. Once you think you think it's done, but then it goes again. <laughs> the one I showed you from Strange Wilderness. Oh. <laughs> 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 